Hello and welcome to the Weekend Review. You'll be delighted to hear the, the smooth flowing tones of my voice again. I'm Michael Curzon. Uh, apologies for my absence the last couple of weeks. I've been rather pressed with other matters. Uh, but know that the uh, the sturdy hands and Luke of Luke and uh, and Sam have really kept it afloat. So thank you to them. But I'm back for now, um, and we're going to be talking about all the regular sort of topics with myself, SD Wicket. Sam, how are you? I'm good, and uh, you're welcome for my uh, stellar hosting last week. Thank you. Well, you've actually all been doing rather a lot of work whilst I've been on the back lines the last, the last week or so. So uh, yeah, I've got a lot of oh, don't beat yourself up. A lot of groveling to do, and Luke Perry, who. Uh, you got a darts ball in the back, so we might as well mention here what what's going to launch over the weekend as well. Yes, let's, let's get down to it. So, um, me and Curzon have a um, a new pet project that is about to be launched called Bullseyes and Booze. It was started as a um, bit of a drunk joke when me and Curzon were on sort of numerous phone calls over the last darts tournament, and um, as usual, what happens um things just got out of hand and yeah we've set up a website we've got some articles ready to go and yep. um the website will be launched sunday it will keep your eye out for that it's going to be lots of good content few interviews as well older sort of jokes and dart stories it's not going to be taking it very seriously because the whole idea is that it's a pub game shouldn't be over professionalized should be for communities not as we say for the corporate sponsors so we hope you enjoy that um, now off it with the uh, shameless uh, self-promotion let's get on to the show yeah well I was going to say talking about sort of corporate sponsors and all that let's talk, start talking about uh, COP26 the climate conference um, which is the, the big story of the week I think my favourite stories around COP26 are yeah, hearing the speeches from the leaders from Joe Biden from Boris all of them and then watching the, the ginormous motorcades stroll through and I think it's 400 uh, private jet planes estimated to have been brought into the country over this period. I mean, quite amusingly, actually, amusingly, depressingly, I should say, in Glasgow, which has seen a whole host of problems uh, during COP26 because of the sort of abysmal SNP council there with rubbish all over the streets, uh, bin strikes um, because of poor pay, uh, reports of rats being everywhere, um, which is being blamed on Margaret Thatcher, rather strangely. By, the by rats being everywhere, are you referring to vermin in the streets or... Yeah. COP26. <laughs> well, COP26, that's it. Um, overall, I mean, one of the one of the stories I saw was that they, they actually cancelled um, hundreds of the reports or rescheduled, uh, perhaps in some cases, uh, a load of hospital appointments, GP appointments, so that the roads could be more clear for COP26. And a, a reader told the Herald newspaper in Scotland that it was ironic uh, hospital appointments were being moved online, whereas hundreds of jet planes were being flown into the country uh, to talk about climate when these people really should have been talking remotely instead. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all just talk and claptrap, isn't it? It's it's amazing uh, how much coverage it gets when it's just a, hmm. like the, the G7, the G20, all the different things they do. It's just another uh, opportunity for a photo op, a bit of talk for sort of puff pieces in, in the newspapers. Hmm. Um, and, you know, people just enjoying power. Other than that, not very much is done, I think. Oh, and it, it's like the, the the wider sort of corporate green movement. It's basically just global elites proposing global solutions for a problem caused by globalization. It's, uh, mm. you know, they're, 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 they're prescribing themselves to cure an ailment caused by themselves. Yes, that's true. 
Yeah, it's it's a chance for, for if you're just the world leaders, you know, have a handshake, a, a barbecue, a few glasses of wine in the, in the evening, and just get the ball moving on how to just continue to restrict everyone's lives, which has been on all political leaders' agenda over the past year. And we've seen just the the looming threat of so-called climate alarmism or breakdown or whatever store whatever title it has this decade, and. Um, you can see that, that that will be used as an excuse to just accumulate more power and restrictions over the next generation. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the big takeaway stories that's been announced by the education secretary, I find it difficult to call him this, by the way, because for the past 18 months, he's been the vaccines uh, minister, uh, Mr. Nadim Zahawi, um, who having gone on from, you know, <laughs> all of the the propaganda campaigns to get people vaccinated, is now introducing new curriculums uh, to primary schools and secondary schools on climate change. So for the first time, officially, climate change will be included in primary school uh, science curriculum, science specifically. I think that's, we were talking about this earlier, Luke, and said, we remember being told about the climate for years. But that was probably in lessons like geography, maybe, or um, maybe in humanities, are oh, when talking about stewardship of the planet. I'm not sure it was ever actually taught in science. So I think that might be the difference because we were a bit confused on that. So it's been, children are basically being taught from really young ages, you are damaging the environment. Um, that's, that's one of the big takeaways. And, and Nadim Zahawi is, is quite clear that this is um, a way to create an army of, of um, eco-warriors. That's basically his, his line on this, that it's, it's making people... Uh, you know, all the political sort of jargon they use around this, aware about the problems humans have on 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 uh, on the climate, and basically, after after months of creating fear around COVID, they're now doing the same for children, as we say, as young as five on climate. Seems hmm. pretty. Uh, hmm. pretty well, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, add add to that the more extreme elements of climate alarmism. You know, don't have kids for the planet, don't eat meat for the planet. Yeah. It's not necessarily going to create a, a, a generation of, you know, environmentally conscious eco-warriors and air quotes. It's going to create a generation of terrified and neurotic yeah. you know, um, spinsters, who, you know, who, 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 who like willingly reduce their quality of life for what is essentially a, a Canusian task. Yeah. Not like children were being turned into that, anyways. <laughs> being being made purposely paranoid and just as another propaganda arm of the regime, and using children as well. It, I'm sure you've all seen that, that advert where you know a hundred companies have pledged to become net zero by whatever year, and it's just got child after child saying, "Will you do something? Will you do this? Will you do that?" It's just another guilt trip. It, it's just imagine Greta Thunberg, but millions of them. Yeah, one of the one of the points that's been really highlighted is the idea um, that this is essentially a, another step. I mean, we've talked about this lots of times, written about it even more times, um, of of encouraging teachers to teach their students not how to think but what to think. Um, and I think you know the fact this is being introduced in science, as Toby Young pointed out on on Twitter earlier, is is a way of making a, a somewhat um, politically contentious, very much so, and also somewhat a scientifically contentious issue, appear sort of uh, as as un, uh, unattestifiable fact, which can be quite damaging. And one of the other points I forgot about this actually, um, which is humorous, and it's. It's one of those where it really, sh I mean, if they want to introduce climate change into science, fine. That's their view. It's they're trying to push it. You can at least, you know, 
find some form of excuse for that, even if you disagree with it, which we do. They're also wanting to weave in the subject more and more into other subjects, like Nadheem Zahawi uses an example, English. Climate change is going to be brought up more in English. Now, this shows you it's, you know, it's like when they say we need to bring up diversity more in science. And you think, well, it's absolute nonsense, because the whole point of science is you, you go through the periods and see, uh, find different discoveries of what was right and wrong and disproving. It doesn't matter uh, what their, their background was in terms of their race or cultural creed or what have you, because that's, that's you've got nothing to do with it. And the same way in English. I, you can just picture it, can't you? That they'll get get rid of the old stuffy, white, boring, male, stale, as they say, Shakespearean uh, lines, um, and instead bring in modern books about how we're destroying the planet. Um, I'm sure that'll sort of be rolled in on mass in the coming months. Books that I'm sure are objectively inferior to Shakespeare and Milton in every possible way. <laughs> Undeniably. Yeah. Well, as we've seen so many other times, you wrote a, a piece, didn't you, Sam? Um, was it for one of our special issues? We did an article together, didn't we? And you highlighted the hypocrisy of politicians at, at the G7, I think it was in Cornwall, where one moment the cameras are on and the masks are there and they're all stood apart. And the, the next moment as the cocktail drinks are poured and maybe they believe the cameras are aware, I don't know. Uh, they all of a sudden move rather closer together and the masks spring off. We've seen the exact same thing here um, with, with COP26. And it's it's one of those where you sort of feel, I, in any sense, feel slightly bad raising this because I think it's supposed to be matters of personal choice. But I suppose the annoying thing is, is that they do one thing for show, whereas their actual uh, activity, their actual senses, their actual beliefs are at these things aren't necessary. Oh, I mean, it, but like that's been the case throughout the entire last couple of years. That's that's uh, Neil Ferguson. That's Nancy Pelosi. That's yeah. uh, Matt Hancock. You know, and at no point have they seen themselves as being in any way beholden to the rules they set in place. As far as they're concerned, the rules around not only COVID but also around climate change are for plebs. You know, yeah. they say how we should eat. Uh, you know, we should eat meat should be a rare treat, right? Once every couple of weeks. Yet the 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 dinner served at the conference was. You know, veal and lamb you know um don't yeah. don't don't travel for the sake of the planet well you know, they were flying in from america from asia from farther parts of europe 400 right? jets i read precisely 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 um funny story of that was the the japanese delegates and the japan sent a trial flight one to Edinburgh, one to glasgow there's no, no one on it but the pilots and just to see which airport was the best to land at so all those <laughs> All that, all that CO2, really? you know, slaughtering those polar bears and just so... Uh, <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. It's just, for, just for another case of, you know, rampant red carpet rolling for uh, that's virtue signaling politicians. Oh, it is mental. It is. There's a great case, by the way, um, which was the end of last night's roundup on The Skeptic of, of the sort of mask hypocrisy story. I can't remember her name, unfortunately, but it's a young Labour MP um, who was on Politics Live or something like that, you know? Zara, yeah, Zara Sultana. Zara. <laughs> um, literally a student activist who's managed to get in the, into Parliament, that's it. <laughs> right, that sounds about right. Um, she was on Politics Live with, with three other women, uh, all unmasked, reasonably close together, um, talking about politics. And she was 
railing against the Tory benches. I look across the Tory benches and I feel horrified. I feel frightened because none of them are wearing masks and I feel at risk. And the other older people there are all at risk. And, and I think it was Julia Hartley Brewer turned around and said, well, why the hell aren't you wearing a mask now? It's obviously all for show. They, they don't actually believe any of this. It's all Anyone who has seen sort of pictures and videos of the chamber knows that the Tories do wear masks and wear them an awful lot. They do. Yes, well, quite. <laughs> but yeah, and those who criticise um, them for not wearing masks themselves probably don't wear masks. It's all just, it's all tit for tat. It's all political boringness, which is why I'm pleased that, you know, Bournebrook isn't linked to a party. I don't think any of us actually support a party, certainly not the main two anyway. Uh, some of us may have sort of smaller affiliations with, with different parties, but it, it really does cloud your vision, I think, when you when you dogmatically support one party and are completely opposed to the other, where you just take every opportunity and run with it, even if you're guilty of the exact same thing, uh, and it's just, you know, completely inconsistent, but it works, it'll get a few likes and retweets on Twitter, um, and, and rile some people, and that's all these people really care about, it's not actually about trying to heal certain political divisions or to come to some sort of settlement on any idea. Um, none of these, you know, especially the younger MPs there now, they're not interested in that. They're all just uh, always there for a jab at something, um, which, uh, especially in the COVID age, ironically, and it's it's just so dull. It really is. Well, there's there's nothing they're really for. They're just against things, you know. They, yeah. they've, they have no interest in building anything. It's just tearing down, you know. Yeah, no, that's quite right. It's quite right. Hmm. Um, well, talking of tearing down, we'll go on to the second issue, which is on trade. Um, and this story is, is one I saw a few days ago. Uh, Edwin Poots, who is he's either a trade or, or farming minister, something like that, for the DUP in, in Northern Ireland, um, who actually at one stage, very briefly, was their leader. Uh, but the, the, the press absolutely berated him for being a Christian, I remember, I think, and, and for believing the earth was created in seven days and a number of certain issues, many was out quite quickly. But regardless, he's had a lot to say about a new trade agreement uh, between Britain and New Zealand. Um, now, reading the reports on this, you'll find the New Zealanders are loving the trade agreement. Uh, Jacinda Ardern said it's one of the best treaties we've ever signed. You know, so words to that effect. Um, whereas a report produced and published by the British government said the impact here will be negligible, there probably won't be an, uh, a positive impact, and that growth uh, to our economy as a result of the trade deal will be between, uh, I think it was between 0.01% positive or 0.01% negative. So it could literally see the, the UK economy harmed. And, and more importantly, what Edwin Poots was saying was that it does a lot of damage to British, especially Northern Ireland farmers, because what it does over a period of about 10 years for uh, milk and dairy products, and more importantly, I suppose, for meats, is get rid of quotas for tariffs. So the quota says, you have to be, uh, we have to be importing a certain amount of this goods before we put um, no tariffs on them. It gets rid of them, gets rid of them until there are no quotas, no tariffs, the goods are shipped here, you know, on the same terms as those produced in Britain, which adds a massive layer of competition, especially if there's farms in these countries with bigger productive capabilities um, that are able to sell quicker because, you know, shipping means now that you can get it from the other side of the world just as effectively anyway, um, unfortunately. So that's the state we're in. This is the post-Brexit settlement, it seems. Mm. Yes, we... Uh... <laughs> We, we trade our EU shackles for uh, 
global shackles. Yeah, um, it's just the same thing again, you know, and, and it shows the force, the lack of foresight in the government, which is, you know, eh, why, why spend five, 10 years cultivating a, a, a strong and independent British system of, of food production when you could just import it in a week, you know, That's I mean, really and, and also, I mean, if one thing that, you know, say the Suez uh, blockage or the, the, the COVID, COVID sh shutting down um, imports and exports tells us one thing is that if you're if the products in your in your economy are reliant on importation then you don't have control of your, your importation you know like what happens when a, a cargo ship gets gets stuck in the Suez canal you know vast ways of the the the, the commodities in your in your economy that, that you depend on are suddenly you know out at sea there's there's, there's no stopping it yeah it's essentially putting our economy at the mercy of of random global events yeah, but get this as well. I, I, this is something I'd sort of expected, but I didn't actually know it. Uh, some uh, this will be the same for all sorts of goods, but this is just an example. A, a certain beer is running low in Burton, basically, which uh, being the the national brewing centre. Um, Former. Former. Yeah, that's true. Um, it creates a big stir still among the old boys. You can imagine. Now, some of the beer in question is still being produced in many factories, which actually happen to be very close to us. But what they do is they, the companies which produce them or bottle them or whatever aren't the same ones who distribute them. And the distributors take them first to a different distribution centre in a different country, so in this case in Wales, and then ship it back to either to Burton or to areas around the country, which seems ludicrous. So people aren't able to get beers, which actually is being produced and is maybe 10 miles down the road because of silly bureaucratic rules uh, and a lot of red tape, which actually is a fault of British governments, not really to do with European governments, um, that, that make these things so much more difficult. And also, if, since we're on the topic of COP26 a moment ago, more environmentally unfriendly. Um, so it really is just a, a, a complete, um, try not to swear here, uh, SHIT show all round, where even if, even if we were to rely on our own goods, there'd be a long stage of unwinding ridiculous laws that make doing so far more difficult. Mm, and this, mm. is, this is from the government which said, let's leave the European Union, let's take back control. You know, they always say about buying British. They don't believe in any of that. Mm. I think the reason the trade deal was signed with New Zealand, even though it had no... But by the way, in, in the report I mentioned, the government said that even though it will have pretty much no positive impact for us, what it will do, economically that is what it will do is produce a new modern style of relationship so it's also about relationship basically i think the reason they signed it was because there's the whole worry about the you know because of brexit this has happened thing they want to look good they want to say yeah they they like again it's like the cop 26 they want a photo op boris wanted to stand next to another world leader shaking hands mm -hmm. saying new brexit trade deal look how much brexit britain is thriving it's all done quickly for a bit of a photo op and then you move on the next day but this is really important they ruin our businesses this this government is the personification of you know linkedin corporate hr speak you know <laughs> of course it is, yeah. building relationships brand awareness that's what it, it's it's just you know it's just managerial speak condensed it's into into yeah, into, yeah. into diplomacy pulled the wool over our eyes didn't he when he said take back control it was to give control to a, what is essentially a liberal corporate party and just send our trade to places much further than southern Italy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, how were global, well, we know why global trade isn't brought up in a COP26, the, uh, the donors would lose money, but yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, because Jeff Bezos was one, wasn't he? Who's, how much has he promised? Two billion, four billion, something oh, like that. 
he he said that um going to space uh, made him uh, realize his commitment to the environment or something along those lines which I thought that does he have a professional scriptwriter? I thought all billionaires did. But... Yeah, well, his heads are clearly just in the clouds, as all of them are. With uh... I mean, it's further than the clouds and out of space. <laughs> yeah, uh... chilling with William Shatner, who's ninety-one. Yeah. Um, well, I think our our listeners are yearning for a certain topic that we've mentioned briefly, but not uh, not as a main topic this week yet, which is very rare for us. Uh, which is, of course, COVID. Um, we're going to do a bit of a COVID update. Just to say, by the way, I think a lot of our readers now, I'm writing for The Express now rather than The Daily Skeptic. The Daily Skeptic, as Luke will know now, your whole head is wrapped in COVID stories the whole week. It's all you really know about that week because it's all you're reading and writing about. At the minute, I'm getting assigned, you get assigned different stories every day. Uh, as an example, the last piece I wrote today was on a man's penis who rotted after being bitten by a snake in South Africa. This was after writing about, you know, uh, climate laws being introduced in in uh, in the curriculum and a bunch of serious topics in UN with that. So I'm af- I'm afraid my head isn't uh, as buried in COVID as it used to be, <laughs> but rather in fairly different areas. <laughs> and by the way, don't ever go on the uh, the scientific reports for these things. I I was writing off a story in another paper, but wanted the original source. Didn't expect there to be photographs. <laughs> But we'll go on to COVID, shall we? Enough of the cobras. Close wording, I suppose. Um, what was what was one of the stories? Was it you, Sam? You had a story on COVID, didn't you? Yes, it was that the uh, the uh, the Italian uh, health ministry has uh, revised its death toll uh, down considerably. Uh, they've uh, I believe they've binned the um, within twenty eight days uh, small print from yes. the statistics, and the number has dropped from around forty thousand to just north of four thousand. Um, well, that's a big change, then, is it? Yeah, <laughs> just you know, just a ninety percent drop off. Ninety percent. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, um, if this were um, repeated the world over, I think the uh, the image of the pandemic would be changed significantly to what it really is, which is you know, it's an a, an unfortunate thing for many people, people who um, just through circumstance are. Um, naturally vulnerable to pathogen um that's been a reality for all of human history it's um it's something that we've experienced on a significantly worse level in the past think of the, the black death justinian plague sort of thing um smallpox but is not worth defenestrating ourselves over in a in a, in a in a societal sense um we've seen the, the largest transfer of wealth and power and coercive power probably in human history we're now looking at the down the barrel of a, you know, what um what our our friend uh, Mr. Adam refers to as the the uh, biosecurity state. We're on the precipice of that, and if what's happening in Italy is anything to go by, we're doing it for even less of a justified reason than we already thought. Mm. Four thousand, that really is. It's not. It's literally for a for a for a pandemic that has that has altered policy in no in a way that no event has has done in modern history aside from world wars it's a really low number it's a frighteningly low number and, and by by the way if uh, just imagine if the number had gone from four thousand to forty thousand or in fact no that's too too much exaggerated imagine if the number had gone from four thousand to five thousand the newspapers would be going wild <clears throat> it'd be front page news for weeks 
Um, yeah, just a, a, a minor increase, as it was in this country actually, when 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 figures were revised on, on the even, even if it goes up by a forty, this the press would be up in arms and say ten oh, percent increase. Quite. And then the mod then the modellers would have their um, hockey stick graphs and uh, <laughs> yes, the, the side for repeats. Now I, th I think your um, your point of how. Uh, the political class has amassed so much power for itself and uh that's as appears that's all they care about because my uh, tale is from um the uh the tin pot republic of northern europe scotland and um the uh, the deputy uh snp first minister has admitted that the scottish government has no way of knowing yeah. whether its vaccine passport scheme actually prevents the spread of COVID. And in the same breath states that, uh, oh, but we'll keep it in place. And if COVID gets worse, it will be everywhere, not just nightclubs. So uh, that's the predicament we're in. One case, up, oh, no. And um, not, what, 90% drop in uh, the official COVID death statistic for a country. And um, it's not really been mentioned on any of the... Uh, only our own propaganda outlets. I, I have to admit, I hadn't, I didn't see that. I, I'm not looking at COVID news as deeply as I was a few weeks ago for because of the change in job, but I, I didn't see that. And you'd have thought, you'd have thought that someone with our views would have seen that. So it is quite extraordinary just how how little these things get reported. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 not an accident. No, that that that's for certain. I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not one for conspiracies, and I've not. I've not taken. I don't know if I've taken any of the conspiracies over, over the past eighteen months. I, I genuinely think these people, uh, sort of running the show, just don't actually often have much of a clue about anything. That's my opinion. But you can. You can't say that this sort of the the, the coverage isn't on purpose. When, as we said, if it had increased by ten percent, there would have been an extraordinarily large uh, media reaction. Whereas a reduction in ninety percent has been not mentioned pretty much. Um, so yeah, really, uh, really worrying sort of tale there where it's, it's almost as though these people want us to be scared. And I know a lot of readers will respond saying, well, didn't you learn that ages ago? And we've been talking about that. There, there were groups set up for creating sort of psychological fear around certain of the aspects because it increases vaccine uptakes, it reduces social mixing, all them sorts of things, increases testing numbers. That's what they wanted. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, hand the government too much power and look at what it does to you. <laughs> I think on that uh, cheery note, um, now that we've given you your your fix of COVID news, we will uh, will say farewell for today. And I'll be with you next week, I can assure you. And uh, I hope you enjoyed having me back. We'll we'll see on that depending on the viewing ratios afterwards. Uh, but yes, thanks both of you two for last week. Thanks for listening. And please do join us again. Cheers.